0: Everybody's talking about inflation. Inflation this and inflation that, but what really is it? What really is inflation and is it possible that inflation can happen in ways other through through money and economics? It's said that today's actual inflation rate despite the government's official rate being pegged at 7.9% as of the end of February, is arguably double that percentage, more like 18 percent, 16 to 18 percent. But what is inflation anyway? Is it the multiplication of money so that the monies that actually are in circulation are worth less? I want you to think for just a moment. If you were to take a cup of coffee. Let's suppose you're a good coffee drinker and you like dark, strong coffee like I do. Let's suppose now that you take your cup of dark, strong coffee, you know, that virile stuff that you can almost cut with a knife, and you take that and you take a dropper and you begin to drop in water. Now, for the first few drops, you probably will not realize that your coffee has been diluted because you get used to it. But if you do that enough times, pretty soon you're going to realize this stuff doesn't taste like that good, strong java that I'm used to. In fact, if you keep doing it, what you'll find is you don't want to drink it at all. And therein lies the problem with inflation. It's really not all that difficult to understand more money issued, the less the value of that which already exists. But is that also true in other spheres, like maybe words, or perhaps truth itself? Could there be such a thing as truth inflation? The multiplying of words to decrease value. That's what we want to really talk about here today on Viewpoint, and I'm so glad that you've joined us. It's conversation has always, 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 with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. Now, it's interesting. An article came out today, uh, a report, that a shocking percentage of Americans don't believe the Bible is God's word. A shocking percentage don't believe the Bible is God's word. Mainline American churches have long been in such decline, and there have been a number of actual civil wars among the congregations and divisions that have resulted, often over social issues facing the nations like the LGBTQ and all the other letters agenda. But now the reasons or results, as you choose, are being seen. Only 20% of Americans see the Bible as the actual word of God. A full 29% of Americans call it fables and legends. And the biggest proportion, 49%, say that the Bible's inspired, but not to be taken literally. In other words, that the words in the Bible don't really mean what they say. So that the words themselves have lost impact or lost meaning. Now, how did that happen? It happened the same way that inflation in the economic scene works. A little bit here and a little bit there of dilution, adding other things that are not to be included in the Bible, that are not to be included in the concept of truth from God's viewpoint, get added in, slowly but slowly. Here are the little, there, and little and around by the culture and the thinking of the time and pretty soon what is left is a mere caricature of what we began with. That's where we are in America today and by the way all over the world. Now these figures are down 24 percent from the last time this question was asked in 2017 and about half of what it was in 1980 and 1984 So here, let's repeat now. Right now, only 20% of Americans see the Bible as the actual word of God, whereas back in 1980-84, the figure was almost double that, or, or half of that, half of that. The biggest portion, 49%, say that the Bible is inspired by God. That was closer to 80% but now down to 49%, and even then, not to be taken literally. So this year marks when those claiming that the Bible is fables, legends, history, and moral precepts recorded by man at 29% is the first time significantly more Americans have viewed the Bible as not divinely inspired than as the literal word of God. The first time. Now, what's interesting about this is that in 1983, Congress declared it the year of the Bible. Now, why did they do that? May I suggest to you that the reason that Congress decreed 1983 the year of the Bible is because they perceived that the Bible was undergoing, shall we say, truth inflation or word inflation such that the culture was diluting the import of the bible in the moral and spiritual estimation of the people such that it was a cause of concern so congress passes a resolution to declare the bible the 1983 the year of the bible well that was the last time This study had been done previously to 2017 and at that time the figures were far better than they are today. Now we know that interpretation of the Bible, the scriptures, has varied widely across time and across religious traditions, but the Gallup poll has been asking Americans specifically about their views on a literal interpretation of the Bible since 1976, our nation's bicentennial, with the latest update coming in Gallup's May Values and Beliefs survey. They say that the shift in attitudes about the Bible is not an isolated phenomenon. It comes even as a number of indicators show a decline in overall religiosity in the United States adult population. These measures include declines in formal identification with religion, self-reported membership in a church, self-reported religious service attendance, personal importance of religion, and a decline of belief in God itself. Thus, it is not surprising, they say, to find that views on the nature of the Bible have shifted in a less religious direction as well. In other words, the Bible has been inflated so that the import of it has been deflated meaning less diluted and the american people are deluded as a result we'll be right back stay tuned you're listening to people This matter of truth inflation that we're talking about here has serious import for whether or not we will continue to have a nation of freedom and justice for all. You see, freedom is not free. It just isn't. Now, God's salvation is free, but it requires something of us. That we must conform our words and our ways our lives to its precepts but if those precepts and words and ways are diluted in their meaning the import of the word of God becomes less and less and less until it is a mere caricature of itself in other words it's a mockery now this is what's happened in america this is what's been happening for a very very long time in our country and we're seeing it played out in so many different ways we tend to look at the issues out there whether it happens to do with divorce remarriage uh... homosexuality homosexual marriage transgenderism all of these kinds of issues abortion we look at those and those are merely symptoms friends those aren't the real issues They're symptoms of the real issue, which is we have diluted, diluted. In other words, we have put more and more water in our dark coffee so that it doesn't have the original strength. Now, for those of you who are tea drinkers, you can understand this as well. You have your favorite tea and uh, you heat it up and uh, everything is wonderful now just put another dropper of uh... water in that tea put two or three in and pretty soon your tea is no longer considered worthy to drink that's where we are in american spirituality today particularly even our christian faith christians are as susceptible to this truth inflation, as everyone else. Now, interestingly, you see, this is important because Americans' interpretations of the Bible are important because the Bible is often used as the basis for policy positions, for instance, or on moral and and values issues, including, as we've said, things like abortion, gay and lesbian relations, and so on. So, This matter of truth inflation and the deflation of the value of the Bible in the mind and heart of we the people is actually destroying freedom from God's viewpoint. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, consider these words from Jesus. He said, if, remember, if is the biggest little word in the Bible. He said, if you continue in my word. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Notice it doesn't say the truth will set you free. That's a wrong understanding. It says the truth will make you free. Why is that? Because truth has to work on the membranes of our minds and our hearts to bring about the freedom that Jesus intended it to bring. It doesn't happen just instantaneously that's why we need discipleship that's why we need to be set apart gradually over time sanctified so to speak and set aside to the Lord and we do that gradually over a period of time by discipleship by embracing the fullness of the wholeness of the Word of God in the words of the Bible not according to our speculation not according to our feelings. Our feelings are not the final arbiter of truth. Our feelings deceive us, as you well know, from day to day, and sometimes from minute to minute. Feelings are not dependable. But if we rely upon our feelings, our feelings themselves dilute the authority of the Word of God, and we begin to compromise it we begin to take it less and less and less at face value until before long it has only emotional value for us or intellectual value but it doesn't have meaningful value for the translation of truth in our lives and so progressively over time we lose freedom remember jesus said if you will continue in my word you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Continuing in his word is not carrying a Bible somewhere or having one on your coffee table. No, it's delving into the word of God every single day as your necessary food. David, remember the the uh, psalmist said, I value your word as more important than my necessary food david was not going to dilute he wasn't going to allow truth inflation or word inflation to diminish the authority of the word of god in his life but he had to fight it he had to fight that kind of inflation and so do you and so do i the problem is we're not fighting it very well in fact the reality is we're actually participating in it. Now, you may not like inflation that's caused by the government printing money, which is the sole reason why we have inflation. The government printing money. You can't print money, can you? No, you have to live within your means. You have to live within uh, the constraints of the law and the monies that you have through earnings or gifts or whatever. But the government doesn't feel that restraint. It feels that it can print money whenever, however, why ever, and however much ever. And every time they do that, the value of that which is in your bank account or in your pocket diminishes. The unfortunate thing, and I know it's hard for us to accept this, the unfortunate thing that that has been happening for five, six decades in this country, in our churches. It's happened gradually over time. Let me give you an illustration. You may not like this illustration, but it's the clearest illustration, the most, uh, shall we say, provable demonstration or illustration that we can give. In the 1950s, divorce was an absolute taboo in our country. Absolute taboo, and if you were divorced in the church, you would not feel comfortable at all because why? Because the Bible says God hates divorce, that's what the Bible says, and Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. God hates divorce. Now, at the same time, up through the 1960s uh... through the middle of the nineteen sixties even our churches would not allow pastors who were divorced to continue pastoring would you like to know why it wasn't because of legalism it was because it would undermine the truth of the word of god and their authority in the pulpits to hold true to the word of God concerning God's view of divorce. So if the pastors were divorcing, then they would have no moral authority than to speak to the parishioners on that issue. That's the way it was. But then came 1968. Ronald Reagan, the first divorced American president, when he was governor of California, passed believing he was doing a good thing passed the No Fault Divorce Act. It spread like wildfire throughout the country. But the same spirit passed in through the membranes of the mind and heart of professing Christians all over the country. So, very quickly, by the mid-1970s, divorce had become commonplace in the church. Not rare, commonplace. How did that happen? Because we diluted the Word of God in the church, in our evangelical churches, and our pastors participated in it. They didn't want to get left out, they didn't want to get left out of the cultural advance or progression because. Everybody was feeling better. Now we can divorce our spouses whenever, however, whatever. All we have to do is tell the court there are irreconcilable differences. We don't have to prove anything. I know all about this because as a lawyer, a trial lawyer, for 20 years I practiced, 40% of my practice, was within the largest family law court in the country, the Los Angeles Superior Court System. And 80% of my clientele came from the broader body of Christ. This was their attitude. They said they wanted a Christian attorney, but not so much. They didn't really want a Christian attorney to tell them what God had to say. They wanted a Christian attorney to come alongside to make them feel good as they diluted, diluted, or inflated the word of God to accommodate what they wanted to do. Because the world was doing it. By the end of the 1970s, that problem inflated itself even more so. The word of God became of less and less value because the culture, we embrace the culture in the church. So, we reasoned that if divorce was going to be okay, then remarriage, even if our spouse was still living, was going to be okay. Even though Jesus said it was an adultery, even though the Apostle Paul warned about it and said, don't be deceived, neither fornicators nor adulterers, nor practicing homosexuals are going to inherit the kingdom of God, we said yes, but. So we diluted, or shall we say inflated, the truth of God's word, so it became less and less valid in our own minds and estimations. What we really did was embrace the spirit of the culture or of the world. That's what we did. In other words, we embraced the authority of the world and its culture. We diminished the authority of God and his word, and so we actually inflated truth truth became less and less valid. But that wasn't the end of the story. It continues on. By the mid-1980s, we had the rise of the homosexual movement. It followed on the heels of the church accepting divorce and remarriage when your spouse was still living. So if... Truth with regard to that fundamental relationship that God ordained from the beginning, saying, What God has ordained, let not men put asunder. Because we reneged on that and decided that that truth didn't apply to us, then came the next iteration of perversion. Remember, divorce and remarriage are perversions from God's viewpoint if your spouse is still living. Because Jesus told the religious leaders of his day, in the beginning it was not so. This was never God's will. They tried to argue. Oh, no, this is fine. This is cool. And Jesus said, no, 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 you got it all wrong. From the beginning, it was only because of the hardness of your hearts. So you see what causes truth inflation is hardness of heart. Is anybody listening out there? This isn't really that hard to understand, but somebody has to be willing to have, shall we say, the spiritual chutzpah to tell it like it is. And that's what we're doing here today, speaking the truth in love, because God loves you, he loves us. And he wants us to walk in purity and in holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So in his righteousness, in his truth, in his love, in his compassion, he says, look, I'm not happy with what you're doing. You're reneging on the authority of my word. You're diluting its impact in your life. And you're playing games with me because my word, he said, will not return void. But you are making it void because you are inflating its truth, so that it means nothing. Now, is there anything about this we don't understand yet? Now, we're gonna pick up on this uh, as we continue, and then we're going to take a look at, well, stripping this to the naked truth. What does it look like in every area, economics as well?
1: Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org.
0: Truth inflation, that's what we're talking about here today on Viewpoint, but let's shift back to economic inflation, money inflation, for just a moment, so that we can get the the bigger picture here of how this works. America's so-called progressive ruling elite elites, fervently claim that the truth can reliably be assumed to be precisely the opposite of the truth. In other words, they tell you one thing, but mean something else. Have you ever noticed that when Congress names a bill, almost invariably, the name they put on the bill is nearly the opposite of what they really intend by the bill? In other words, words have been inflated to mean nothing. It's interesting because both Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden claimed recently, incredibly by the way, that government spending is doing the exact reverse, reducing the national debt. They said it's not inflationary. How could you possibly accept such deception? It's by its very nature inflationary because it's diminishing the value of every dollar that's out there. Just like if you pour a little bit of water in your nice cup of coffee and it becomes undrinkable. You don't want it anymore. I have a wonderful cup of coffee right here, dark coffee, dark roast, and I don't like to put anything in it. I want to taste it for what it is, and it helps to keep my my throat lubricated for the program. And if it were to have, say, um, three or four ounces of water put in it in addition to its recommended amount, I wouldn't want to drink it. It would be insipid to me. It, It just would not be something I would want to drink. Similarly, you and I don't really want in our economic sphere, we don't really want to see the value of our money diminished. But you know how you can tell that it's being diminished? By the prices that you're having to pay at the store, at the grocery store, uh, at uh, the gas pump, and so on. You t- you're you able to know whether or not your money is losing value because more money is being printed. Now, what they're thinking is that if we print more money, we can pay off the national debt easier with cheaper money. But that's a ruse. That's a pretense. It's like saying, you know, if, gee, if God says I hate divorce and Jesus calls it adultery, but, but but if we, if we say it's not and we allow more and more people to divorce in the church, then it's okay it doesn't matter because everybody's doing it. In other words, we've inflated the truth to the point where the Christian faith and life is tasteless and meaningless, and that's what the world sees in the church today. it's not that hard to figure out put another way americans are rapidly becoming a whole lot poorer as inflation destroys their savings and earnings and the main reason for this is the hidden tax of inflation created out of of out-of-control and power mad government but why is all that happening If inflation is viewed only through an economic lens, citing the various contributing economic factors from government spending and low interest rates to supply chain issues and pandemic lockdowns, the larger and deeper truth gets lost. So what's occurring in America's economy today has to be viewed in the context of the addiction to Permanent power as a result, as the larger globalist dream that they share for the Great Reset. In other words, there is a reason for the inflation. What is actually happening, friends, please listen. Whether you want to look at it as economic inflation or whether you want to look at it as truth inflation which are two sides of the same coin. They are setting the stage for spiritual globalism. That's what they're doing. Setting the stage for spiritual globalism, multiplying words to decrease their value so that everyone can feel good and no one will have the cutting edge of truth to curtail their willingness to join in the new world order. Please listen. The goal of this is totalitarian, not freedom. It's tyrannical. It's leading to a proposed utopia that they're dreaming of leading, but it's going to lead to untold, unparalleled destruction. This is what Jesus was talking about. He said, if you continue in my word, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But if you don't continue on my word, exactly the opposite is going to happen. You're not going to know the truth. You're not going to be free. In other words, you are gradually going to work yourself back under the spirit of Egypt, which is the house of bondage. Is that what we want? I don't think so. Now let's go back to the illustration that we were looking at in the spiritual arena in terms of the truth of the Word of God. And this is just in one aspect. This applies to a vast range of ways that we look at the Word of God uh, and its authority in our lives. By the way, speaking of that, the latest Gallup poll says that of so-called Christian adults, Only 25% say the Bible is the actual Word of God. Which means they have already adopted a viewpoint that has deflated the import or authority of the Word of God and inflated their own emotional, personal uh, power and authority over the Word of God Therefore, to the extent that we do that, we are actually crucifying our own freedom and our nation. 58% say that it's inspired, but not the actual Word of God. We're talking about professing Christians. 16% of those who claim to be Christians say the Bible's just a book of fables. And by the way, of our young people, These figures are nice and kind. 30% of Protestants say the Bible is literally true compared to only 15% of Catholics. All right. So let's take this now and go back to the application concerning the area of our sexual behavior and lives remember aldous Huxley the famous philosopher said I cannot and will not believe in creation I must believe in evolution because if I don't believe in evolution which is the only alternative to a creator then I must believe that the creator has authority to tell me how to live and he said that's untenable for me I'm not going to have some creator telling me how I should conduct my sex life. All right. In many respects, that's what Christians have been saying for the past 40 years. I'm not going to have God tell me how to run my sex life. I'm not going to have God tell me. I'm not going to let God's word tell me what I should be doing or not doing with regard to my marriage. I'm not going to have God's word tell me whether or not I should divorce my spouse. I'm not going to have God's word tell me whether or not I should remarry if, if I divorced, uh, if my spouse is still living. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what I want to do. So we've deflated the word of God and inflated our own estimation of ourselves, rendering ourselves equal or greater than God. That's what brought Satan down, friends. That's exactly the mindset that brought Satan down. He dissed what God said. He said, I'm going to be equal to God. I'm going to be like the Most High. I'm going to be, I'm I'm great. Okay. He's going to get his moment of truth. And those who follow him are going to get their moment of truth. And it ain't going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty. So here's what happened. Once divorce and remarriage, when your spouse is still living, was promoted and received in the church from pulpit to pew. By the way, among pastor and people alike, then came the mid 1980s with the sexual rev- excuse me with the uh, uh... homosexual revolution. It came in gradually, but the pressures were on, and people were saying, "How can you Christians and you?" uh... conservatives how can you possibly with a straight face disapprove of our same-sex approach uh... proclivities when you yourself refuse to agree with what the bible says concerning marriage and divorce and remarriage you're hypocrites you don't believe that in other words what they were saying is you have so diluted the truth of god's word that you are not credible, you're not to be believed. And they had a point, didn't they? But we chose to put our focus on the homosexual because that was less likely to be occurring in the church. So it was easier to deal with that. Then came homosexual marriage. That was the next iteration. Now we're heavily into the next iteration, which is transgenderism and it's not going to stop there this is what happens when you deflate or you inflate the truth and deflate its import in your life we'll be right back
1: have you ever considered what the early church was like
0: All right, hang in there, friends, for the final applications here as we connect the dots between economic inflation and spiritual inflation. First of all, we need to understand that truth inflation is necessary to set the stage for spiritual globalism. Why is that? Because you have to whittle down truth to some people might call its lowest common denominator. In other words, the little, very smallest microcosm of what the majority of people can be brought to agree to in order to bring about a universal religion to undergird the New World Order. And that's exactly what's happening. That's what Pope Francis has been pursuing ever since he took office. That's exactly what Pope Francis has been pursuing. And if you watch all of his decisions, you'll find that's exactly what he's been doing. He has been inflating truth and deflating the authority of the word of God as a result. For the purpose of gathering more and more peoples out there who otherwise would not embrace the straight truth of the Word of God, to bring them under the mothering arms of the Vatican and the papacy. That's his goal. That's his purpose. And that's the reason why he is one of the key leaders of the New World Order. He has to do this. Now, I want, I want to be careful here. Some people don't like this. but pastors find themselves in the same predicament. Look, my father was a pastor. My grandfathers were pastors. I pastored for 40 years in different ways. I, I understand pastoring and its difficulties. Believe me, I do, from the inside out. But I also know the temptations. When you establish growth of a church, as your primary goal, you have automatically embraced the spirit of truth inflation, automatically, because you you are going to continually lead more and more to the temptation to deflate the authority of the word of God on various issues that you know your congregation and the people that you're trying to invite in don't want to hear. So you're not going to tell them. You're going to deflate the truth. Excuse me, you're going to inflate the truth and deflate the Bible's authority in the life of the people in order to gather more and more people. What did Jesus say about this? He said, look, I'll build my church. You make disciples. In other words, you take on the responsibility of teaching people to obey everything that I have commanded. That's the Great Commission. It's not evangelism, it's the Great Commission to disciple, to teach people to obey everything that God has commanded. It's not legalism. If you're a Christian you have to obey God. If you don't obey God, one has to question whether you're a Christian. Jesus said so. Read John 14, Four times in John 14, that's basically what he says. If you love me, you'll be obey me. If you don't love me, you won't. Simple. So the whole concept of obedience is linked to the value we place on truth. If we don't place authority and value on truth, then obedience becomes almost irrelevant because the only thing I have to obey is my own feelings. I'm going to dilute my cup of truth to where it is tasteless and meaningless and just about anybody could drink it and never even know what they were drinking. One of the ways that we do this is by multiplying words. Now, it's interesting. If you go to the Bible and you read it straight out, it says certain things very straightly. If you go to the, the newer uh, translations, always diminish the words. They multiply words purportedly to say the same thing, but in the process, they're decreasing the value of the words that are spoken. I'm sorry to have to say this, but it is true. Just because something is modern doesn't mean it's better. Just because a larger number of people are willing to read and uh, uh, go along with a translation that's newer doesn't mean it's better. It doesn't mean it's truer or that it's worthy of being presented as truer any more than a watered down cup of coffee is worthy to be presented just because you want more and more people to drink it because they don't like high test coffee, for instance. They want something weak. Most Christians today want weak coffee that is weak Christianity. They call it love. But it's not love at all. That is a decrease in the value of the word love and actually resulting in truth inflation. Where love is no longer love from God's viewpoint. It's just a feeling it's not offending people when we multiply words to try to make something feel better or more acceptable we are necessarily decreasing the value of those words just like when you multiply dollars Through the federal government or the Fed, you are diminishing the value of every other dollar that's already issued. All right. That having been said, before we go further and we go back to economic inflation and the Great Reset and uh, the setting the stage, the spiritual stage for globalism through truth inflation, Let me just share this with you. For those of you that are in Massachusetts and Connecticut, I want to let you know that on August 13th, Saturday, we are going to have our next breakfast for our listeners up there. These are something not to be missed. People look forward to these all year. It's going to be at the... uh, a country club there in uh, Agawam, and you're going to need to make a reservation. To make that reservation, you need to go to our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. I urge you to do it right away. Make your reservation at saveus.org for the breakfast. Some are inviting friends already. I urge you to do that. Introduce them to the program. We're going to be bringing all of our materials, all the books and so on, and many others that uh, perhaps you haven't seen. It's, a, it's an amazing time. As we share together, you'll hear from my wife as well. And uh, you don't want to miss it. You just don't want to miss it. Also, my latest book, Messiah, Will have just come out and it will be available. But for those of you who want to have an autographed copy of Messiah Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, you need to order that book before August 1st. Before August 1st. So go to our website, saveus.org, or give us a call at 1 800 SAVE USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Write a check at $5 for postage and handling, and we'll have the book uh, in your hands as soon as it becomes available to us right after August 1st. Okay, now, those things having been said, inflation, as the legendary economist Thomas Sowell once put it, is a way to take people's wealth from them without having to openly raise taxes. In fact, inflation is the most universal tax of all. It's amazing. President Ronald Reagan put it pretty colorfully. He said, inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. And he wasn't joking. It's basically a way to steal in the pretense of caring. And the great reset crowd now, the global socialist dreamers, not only don't care about all that, they have contempt for you. They have contempt for people. They only value power. They want more people in their congregation. And they'll tell you what you want to hear, what you think you want to hear, in order to accomplish the goal. If stripped down to the naked truth, America's ruling elites are inextricably intertwined in a vast money machine of self interest. They're today's aristocrats, and they look down on you as a deplorable peasant. Their deceit is meant to enable them to take something that doesn't rightfully belong to them, and that's called stealing. Stealing your wealth, stealing an election, stealing and repurposing your government, stealing your country, and if necessary, steal your life. And friends, that's the spirit of Antichrist. The thief comes for to steal to kill and destroy but jesus said i am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly but you see the life that jesus promised is not in an inflationary truth; it's in the real truth jesus came to be the word made flesh what do you think that meant the word was already given He came to flesh out or give full meaning to the truth of the word so that it was living. And even his words are denied by us today. Oh, we make pretense, a pretense of following him, but not really. If we really were following the word, if we really had not engaged in truth inflation, multiplying words and decreasing their value, we would not have these statistics that have prevailed for the past 25 years. That the divorce rate among professing Christians has nearly equaled that of the nation as a whole. That the divorce rate in the Bible Belt of America has exceeded the nation as a whole by 50%. And that the divorce rate among our pastors has equaled that of their parishioners. You see, universal deflation of the of the authority of the word of God through truth inflation meaning whatever I say multiplying words to make people feel comfortable and do what they want to do until ultimately destruction comes there comes a moment of truth in the Valley of Decision and all of us are facing that now you and I may not be able to do much about the economic inflation but i'll tell you one thing we can do an awful lot about truth inflation jesus said if you'll continue in my word faithfully you will know the truth and the truth will make you free i don't know about you but i want to walk in freedom don't you our country depends on Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint. Become a partner. Send your gifts by faith, friends, to Save American Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Don't wait for the other guy to do it. He's not doing it. It's time for us to come on board because Jesus is coming soon. Do you believe that? Then why aren't we living accordingly?